Welcome to the DoDash Investability Podcast. More than 90% of startups fail in the first year of existence. 4 out of 10 because they don't have enough capital and financial resources. Another 5 out of 10 because of a team composition and product market fit. Here at DoDash, we want to assist you in becoming an investable and consumer-focused business and not become a 9 out of these 10, but the 1. For that, in this podcast, we're going to cover entrepreneurs, experts and investors from which you will be able to learn how to become an investable business and succeed. Stay tuned and enjoy. So I'm very happy to have you here today, Benjamin, with me. Um, Benjamin Tallinn is an international keynote speaker. He founded two companies, the CEO of them, Morven Digital and 361 Group. You're a board member, futurist, international keynote speaker. You're a lecturer, thought leader. You do so many things, but uh, I think you will tell us a little bit more about your knowledge when we start the questions. And I guess I would just start with the first thing, kind of like an elevator pitch. What do you do and which value do you add to people? Uh, actually, it, it took me quite a long time to figure out what am I exactly doing. Um, in the end, I'm just a notorious person asking stupid questions and always kind of like um, being the person in the room which is disrupting things, kind of like, no, we can do it better. I know a better way. I know what is going on. <laughs> I'm kind of like just the annoying person in the room. That's pretty much sums me up as a whole. <laughs> The guy who always has something to add to it, but it's nice. We need people like that, you know, put the finger in the wound. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like just, just figure out if there not any better possibility to do things. I mean, since I was a small kid, I always wanted to improve stuff and that's what I'm doing right now. So that's pretty much also my whole history. When I was 13, I founded my first company. It was also kind of like, can you not do stuff better? And back then it was mm -hmm. IT and marketing stuff I was doing. And I was so annoyed how things weren't working. So I just changed it to a different state and it seemed to work out back then. Uh, 13, that's quite impressive. Maybe I would just add something just for my thinking. Like you started with 13. Like what um, drove you to do that at that age? Actually, it was a competition between me and my... Um, yeah, a good friend of family, and you need to say that. Uh, he had his own company, and it was like, yeah, I can do it better. And uh, then in the end, mm -hmm. it was kind of like a self-run success because I didn't intend to have a company or to do whatever, but it was kind of like so many people referred me, and suddenly I had a growing customer base, and everything mm -hmm. was popping in. And instead of having like 30 euros per month allowance from the parents, um, I could make quite some good money back then. I mean, IT and marketing services were pretty well paid. And so everything started off being innocent and just doing good stuff. That's crazy. If I think about it, like not many people at that age would do that, but uh, it's impressive that you were just thinking, this is interesting, going to a competition and then from where on trying out. And after that, you noticed this is something that works for me well. Um, but that's, that's my whole story, actually. It's just kind of like I do something and suddenly pops up. I mean, also my most recent company and actually where I put 150% of my effort in is more than mm -hmm. digital. Um, it also started very innocent. I just wanted to make things different because I was so annoyed what is going on. Everybody's talking about AI and blockchain and let's disrupt the world and everything is innovation mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, mm -hmm. that is not really what most people are struggling with. 
most people struggle with very basics, kind of like, what is LinkedIn? How do I get free pictures on the internet? Uh, what is digitalization? What does it even mean? And mm -hmm. it's not about AI-driven business models, what the people want to hear for them. It's literally kind of like, um, how do I get a contact in my LinkedIn address? And mm -hmm. um, so I started to explain it very easily. And now this whole construct of more than digital popped up. So I'm always kind of like just, I'm doing something and suddenly something pops up. So. Mm -hmm. That's <laughs> a good strategy, I guess, to, <laughs> to go forward and just seeing from where it gets to you. And the point that you mentioned, I like that very much, that uh, it's basic things that people struggle. Then maybe coming to a question I would have then here, when we talk about building a startup, especially now in the digital space, like a digital, how can a startup build like a proper digital business or like a digital business model when you said they often just struggle with the most basic things? I mean, literally the most successful business stories when it comes to digital business models, but I don't like the term digital business models mm -hmm. uh, because in the end, what is a business model? You're generating money with an extra value you're creating. And um, so people have kind of like two wrong perceptions in that. First, it always has to be kind of like a digital or app or whatever. That's the wrong perception. Nobody mm -hmm. needs an app. Nobody needs a digital service. Nobody needs mm -hmm. whatever. They need to have a problem solved. And that mm -hmm. is what I see for most startups really as a critical point, I would say, is they are just building something. Just, we just recently had a more than digital a good article that 70% of the startups who think that they need an app don't actually need an app. And that is pretty much reflected what I see in my current um, role. I'm also supporting some startups um, next to what I'm doing. But I really see that a lot of people are just so attracted to technology. Everything needs to be an app because an app is cool. I want to have an app because I want to be a billionaire because I want to sell it a hundred million times. But um, some, it's okay to have these moonshot thoughts, but mm -hmm. you need to think about what problem are you solving? And a lot of startups I really meet and they have struggles explaining me the problem they want to solve. And the most shocking moment was it was actually a group. It was a an, an student group, entrepreneurship and innovation. And um, there were four different groups in there. And I asked them, how many of you actually spoke with a potential customer with your solution and presented the solution? Mm -hmm. And there were one person in one team actually one. rising his hand one person in one team rising his hand and the four, uh, the three team members, there were four, the three team members were actually looking at him kind of like, with him did you speak? And I was like, what? <laughs> and for them, it's literally, they found for themselves, they found a solution and they were like, there is a market, we just need to bring it out. We turn literally into gold. And I think that is the wrong way to go. And this is also what I see with companies, with corporates, with all different other institutions in this world. They are always coming from a technological view. That's why I also have, maybe you've seen my LinkedIn article on that. It's kind of like digital transformation is 5% digital and 95% uh, transformation. And it's literally summing up the problem I see there, because for most people, when they think about digital business model, it's about 100% digital. They're not thinking about how to transform processes, people, that they need to educate. That is also a big problem. A lot of digital startups, 
miss that they need to educate people to actually use their service. Not everybody is a genius, kind of like, oh, I know how everything is working. So they're literally missing out this part. They're always just focusing on how do I get the software right? What is the marketing text? How is the landing page doing? But they're not really thinking about what is the, the real problem or what is the real target group they're targeting. So that is one of the key critical things I see for most digital uh, business models. Then adding to that, as you said, the issue is often that we need something more simple than just like the digital parts. How would we go at educating the people in a proper manner at implementing that? So what would be the most basic steps that we should focus on in implementing the change instead of thinking about I'm building the rocket that goes to Mars, but uh, you're not even able to get one meter off the ground. And that is, that is the real challenge because sometimes it's over-engineering what you find in some startup teams and that is literally a big hurdle for them too. I mean, they have a great idea. Let's assume they have a great product. They have a great idea. They already built it, but it's over-engineered. They were building it for themselves. They were not building it for the stupidest customer immeasurable. They're not thinking kind of like, if somebody is using that, does he maybe have one question? I mean, yes, he has a question. And suddenly the support costs are exploding. Suddenly the maintenance cost of the whole platform is exploding. And that is also a problem. And you cannot just build platforms over platforms because we cannot have so many platforms. That's why we also have to differentiate. What is the digital business model? Is it kind of like a super scalable? Is it a low scalable model? And also what I see with a lot of business models is kind of like we build a platform. Of course, yeah, everybody builds a platform. We all are on 100,000 different platforms. I'm also a member of 100,000 different platforms. No, we don't. It's literally you have to give so much added value to actually give a platform, to actually reach a lot of people, to actually build this community that it is working. And it's also what I can say. Um, I did it myself wrong, to be honest. At the beginning, I was also kind of like, ah, oh, the world is big and I can challenge it. Um, but it creates so many problems if you're thinking so big. Lucky us, we are currently managing to actually get into the growth in the ecosystem, in the platform thing. But it's literally lots of work and it takes long times to actually build something like that. And that is the next challenge when you're thinking about digital business models is really that lots of these business models only work when you have a huge customer basis. For Google or for Apple or for Facebook, this would be kind of like in one snip of a second, we have 100 million users uh, using that. But if you're a startup and nobody gives a fucking shit about you and you have to acquire each and every customer pretty much on your own, then you figure out what, it, what does it mean to actually reach like 10,000 people if you need to talk to 10,000 people one by one. And that is also killing a lot of digital business models because they're, they have already step two and step three ready, but they're already canceling the whole business idea because step one is undoable. I, I like the point that you just mentioned with, like you said, when we talk to 10,000 people, nah, and how you even talk to each person individually, like you said, you need to have the user base. And I guess regarding to that, when you think about also as a strategy, how to grow your business, is that also something you would recommend any startup to say, my advice for you as a key strategy would be go one by one to the people 
and get them on board? Or what would be here your strategy for a startup you recommend? Especially at the beginning, yes. Go one by one. And even before developing something, try to talk to people. Um, that is really, that is one of the big things I can really recommend. Of course, there are some topics you cannot talk to people. If they have never seen it, if they don't have kind of like this prototype, you cannot talk to them with some imaginable thing. We also, we, we had the same current uh, problem. We were talking with one of the services, what we are building uh, with some people, but they don't, they didn't get what we were meaning until we actually showed the first thing. So that is one of the challenges you either way have to tackle. In the end, you need to have kind of like this user in mind. You need to ask some different questions, not about your product, but maybe more about the problem which is to be resolved. And then you're slowly turning this into a product. And then when you have the product, you need to talk to pretty much each and everybody. You need to build your first influencers and your first mm -hmm. customer base. You need to build your community. You need to build pretty much everything from the bottom up. And if you just think kind of like placing some Google advertisements and posting it to uh, your social media communities is doing the job, then it's totally wrong because a lot of startups are actually dying because of their marketing is not working. And marketing literally at the beginning means asking each and everybody, just look at Airbnb. I mean, they were literally renting out their own couches to figure out what is the real problem. Um, look at other cases in history of, uh, of computer tech. I mean, also Bill Gates was then back then talking with each and every customer. He was uh, convincing each and every customer back then. So it's not that all these tech geniuses what are always in the room kind of like just suddenly popped up and they had the most genius idea. They bring it to market and everything was working. No, they were actually, they had a product. It was a tiny little part of the whole investment they're doing, but they also needed to make this a reality. And that is the big part that we are speaking of is literally mm -hmm getting people onboarded, convincing them, having a strong vision, mission statement, really bringing out your thoughts, bringing yourself in because at the beginning you don't have a brand somebody trusts. You don't have anything. It's literally just you and a the customer there in the room. Mm -hmm. That's some valuable points that you didn't hear talk about. Then I now let's think about, let's say I want to start something, a business or a startup. I'm thinking about maybe pivoting because it doesn't work what I've been doing before. Where would you suggest them to look at? Maybe what are current trends you would say, have a look at this, this could be interesting to you or this other problems nobody is solving right now. So like the trends, what would you do? recommend for people to look at more closely right now? I mean, in the end, there is a nice slide online. I don't know who published it, to be honest, but there's a nice slide online, the most disrupted industry. So and in the end don't take the least disrupted industry and take the don't take the most disrupted industry take the ones in the middle uh, just look up uh, kind of like the most disrupted industries you see there kind of like a bar chart uh, showing the most disrupted industries if you're in the middle that's a good industry to be in but to be honest right at the moment everything is about to change I mean, literally, technology is speeding up. We are speaking about exponential technology change. We are speaking about exponential technology growth, exponential data growth, and so on. So we have all this exponential in the room. Uh, but in the end, what does it mean? Exponential computer speeds, data, whatever, literally means we have more power to change things. We have more 
data to analyze something. We have more insights to do something. So that is the only thing what we really look into. So current trends I can really recommend is simplifying, but that is always a trend. Customizing, making something really that people can suddenly customize things. I mean, one of the biggest trends, but that's like 10, 20 years ago, uh, was kind of like custom t-shirts, custom cups and whatever. It was very expensive back then, but then some online printers started actually doing that. And so customizing, but not of course t-shirts, that's everybody's doing, but customizing in a sense is a big thing. Or if you're also combining things because people want simplicity. Why, for example, are the insurance platforms so interesting and so valuable at the moment? Because they're combining things. They're making it easy for you to manage your policies, to see kind of like when you have to, to delete the policy or when something is running out or if you're undercovered or overcovered. So it's a simple thing, actually, because somebody was then, hmm, I actually hate managing my policies. And I hate having kind of like an account with this bank and with this insurance and with that and whatever. I have like 50 different accounts to manage my bank account insurances with my policies. I need to have an own calendar just to write down where do I need to cancel what and when. So they were like, hmm, make it easy. So that is literally, technology gives us now the possibility to simplify things and sometimes even automate things. Um, and I'm not speaking about AI because there is no AI that is fucking machine learning. Um, I'm speaking about machines helping the, the augmented intelligence what we are having for in artificial intelligence. Um, kind of like how can we help people with technology solve their daily tasks? And our world is it's not speeding up, but we have many more things to do at the same time. So if you find a business solution helping them with either cleaning up with their home or uh, dealing with the dish dishes. There is an invention called dishwasher, I know, but that's kind of like daily challenges they're focusing. But if you find a niche there, and sometimes it just comes from your own desire, because back then there, the other person was kind of like, yeah, I don't want to manage my policies. So I make a platform to manage it. And back then it was a very, very simple MVP, kind of like upload a PDF, set when the expiry date, uh, expiry date is, uh, the contact address, etc. So it was very easy in the end, but it was helpful. And if you create something like that, you get a market for this. Hmm. Makes sense. It's, I think makes me also wonder a bit when we talk about automizing, simplifying things. You have done a lot of different things. You're still doing them all at the same time. So I assume there's a lot of automatization and simplifying in your life. How do you manage your time? Like, do you have a certain structure in place or how do you go at that with your time management? <laughs> um, the buzzword for that would be agility. <laughs> Others call it pretty much just um, a messed deck. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's really, it's sometimes tough and I needed to learn it the hard way to actually get things done. So everything is kind of like in an average, okay-ish status. Um, to be honest, I'm sometimes struggling to keep up with all that, um, but that is also a learning you need to do. If you have too many things at the time, focus on some, really get priorities straight. I now use the Kanban. I built on Trello a very extensive Kanban. 
So we can literally see kind of like what tasks are to be done in high priority in this week and this day, tomorrow. Um, what do I have to do when I work kind of like in silence? Because I need to have also my working time where nobody can call me, where no emails are popping in. So I literally plug off everything and just work on this time for my stuff I need to do. So I can also follow up on more critical things. And yeah, it's, 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 quite challenging in the end because I also see there is a lot of pressure on myself to be honest uh, sometimes when I'm traveling a lot uh, which is currently the case um, um, it's really everything is flowing in because the other people are still working 100% but I'm traveling I'm at events I'm talking I'm speaking I'm doing whatever uh, and then at night you're sitting there kind of like oh no I need to do an email and uh, there's an next oh oh there's an next email <laughs> so that is that is kind of like the tough life but Really, uh, the Kanban helped me to actually organize it better. And uh, also limited, that's really a valuable thing I can give to everybody, limits the time on the phone. And uh, I now do batch processing. So I literally take time once or twice a day to email batch uh, process the stuff. So maybe in the morning, like half an hour of email replies and in the, in the afternoon, except if I need to um, do something in between, of course, but otherwise I'm not answering any emails. Uh, I'm more kind of like to react on stuff which is going on. Um, also, I streamlined my, my communication. So I try to have everything on Slack and WhatsApp. So that is also limiting it. That is some small tricks I needed to learn, but I'm far from perfect, to be honest. I think my optimization grade is like 50%. Um, that is kind of like selling it in a good way. <laughs> then let's talk about a thing where you are probably optimized almost to 100%. You are a public speaker and people like what you say on stage. And I guess many people these days aspire also to be able to give great talks to, um, to share information about people. What is your key to being like a great speaker? I guess that I'm speaking all day long. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of people around me who are saying like, uh, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> I don't know, actually. I mean, the most aspiring speakers I see, and usually uh, it's not me uh, only on the, on the stage, it's sometimes people before and after me, and I look at them, and I really try to learn and improve myself by doing that. But really the most interesting stuff is the most you get from a speaker when he is so into this topic. And the biggest fail somebody can do is actually just learning everything by heart, kind of like writing it down and then just learning it off or even reading it from a paper. And that just happened in a big conference. I was like, how can somebody like that be on the stage? I mean, reading from a paper, uh, not even good reading. I mean, literally like bad reading. Uh, like okay, so but uh, there is a difference between speaking freely and writing it down. That's why I'm a, not a big fan of writing things down, learning it by heart, or doing that. Um, speak freely and choose a topic you are really passionate about. If you're passionate about a topic, it's easy to speak about it. It's easy to show emotions. It's easy to go into that topic. And for some people, speaking is also not kind of like in there. For example, when I look at uh, my past girlfriend, um, she was like, if there are more than five people in a room, I am gone. And 
<laughs> it's also it's good. I mean, not everybody has to have the same skills, to be honest. Um, because some people are better at organizing, for example, me not. That's why my organization <laughs> optimization is very low. Um, some people are better at speaking. Some people are better at writing. I mean, if you see me writing, that's a different thing. If you see me talking, that's okay, I guess. But that is kind of like um, also make sure when you're speaking of a startup, make sure you have a mix in there. I see so many startups having kind of like the same profile. It's literally like five copycats sometimes. We are all engineers. We are all kind of like in our mid-30s. We are all uh, computer scientists. So we are all doing the same. So we had this idea. And it's pretty much nobody else. And uh, for example, for Modern Digital, I'm really grateful to have my co-founder, Hans Dieter. Um, it's just great because we are so different. We are complementary. And sometimes it's even like this and that is good because that's he always says kind of like in a funny way it creates energy but in the end yes it's good and you need to have different profiles you need to have different competences you need to have different um, perceptions in your team so not just get anybody on board who is the same as you try to actually get different opinions in and that's the same also with speaking um, if you don't if you don't feel like you are the perfect one to speak I don't speak because sometimes it just leaves such a bad impression if there is somebody stumbling up uh, on the on the um, conference hall or whatever. Uh, just give somebody else kind of like in a team a try. And that is also what I see often. Uh, some startup CEOs think they are the best, they are the greatest, um, and they need to be on the stage. And on the stage, they cannot speak two words in a fluent way or they don't really get the passion out. So maybe it would have made better sense to kind of like, I'm CEO, I'm gonna present you the first two minutes and then the engineer is speaking because he is the man burning for that. So literally share also the voice. And that is also when I see a lot of companies and startups are trying to get on the stage. Of course, it's publicity, it gets you kind of like in the front of some decision makers, that's nice, but don't fuck it up by some, I am the best and the greatest shows. I guess you basically already answered like a, a couple of more questions that now how to find a co-founder and like some advice on that. Because it would also have been the finishing point for me, the last thing I would have asked you. Like the key advice you would have to aspiring entrepreneurs. Maybe you have like one more point here to share. Anything else we have to say? The thing that an, an aspiring entrepreneur should focus on in the beginning. So from my personal learnings, I had a lot of different startup projects. I mean, uh, since I was 13, I was trying a lot of startups. I failed terribly too, because I was kind of like, that is the first learning. After I sold the first company, I was like, ah, I'm the greatest, I'm the best. Uh, I can just show the world how great I am. Um, and I terribly fucked up two startups. It was my own money, so it's my own thing. And I call it learning record. Um, but in the end, it's kind of like solo entrepreneurship is not gonna likely to work out because you're missing this version of fighting, of um, confronting yourself that you sometimes just do bullshit. Everybody's doing bullshit. And um, so literally get your team right and not a team of, we both laugh the same, we are the same, we think the same. Um, literally get a team right where everybody's kind of like, no, you're not, you're not, you're not. 
then it's good because then you start thinking. So literally get the competences straight that you have a complementary team. That is number one. Second one is an idea is worth nothing. I see that with so many startups kind of like, I have an idea, I need money. And in the world of startups, an idea is worth nothing. Actually, I just counted uh, my list. I have a list of startup ideas. Currently, there are 33 ideas on it. Worth nothing. And still, most startups approach me kind of like, yeah, we have this idea. And I'm like, do you have any customers? Do you have any brand? Do you have whatever? Yes, we have a brand name. We have an idea. We want a million. And I'm like, well... <laughs> <laughs> the difference between having an idea and actually making this idea happen is so big. So don't focus your energy. And I've been there. I've done that. I've wasted a lot of my time. I've wasted a lot of effort. I've wasted a lot of energy in actually believing that an idea is worth to be invested in. That is maybe true for some cases. If you know the right people, if you're lucky, but most of the cases get shit done. Just start do whatever is necessary to get an MVP out or to acquire first customers or at least LOIs. So somebody is actually buying into your idea or you can prove that this idea is actually worth something. And then coming to kind of like my next companies, it's <laughs> a long track record of failed and good ones and media core ones. But in the end, it was also, don't be too nice. <laughs> I'm one person, I was always too nice. Kind of like startup world, don't be too nice. Uh, you, you're asking for a favor. I mean, you're a startup, you always have to ask for favors. Everybody is working for free for you. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you need to buy into that favor. Um, so you also need to be clear. So you need to set up things very straight. You need to be strict there. And I did a lot of mistakes there, to be honest. Um, I learned it the hard way, it costed me a lot, uh, but really get things straight from the beginning. Try to make contracts, try to actually onboard the team as good as possible. Um, that is my learning, what I did there. Another learning, what I can really give to a lot of startup entrepreneurs is um, to get financing straight. Because as I told you, I, I did strange startup systems because I literally just built stuff. More than digital, I built a block and I was like, ah, I need to explain all this stuff. And then suddenly this thing exploded. And now I have um, actually the biggest digitalization initiative in Central Europe. Um, and that is kind of like, yeah, things happen. But the problem is, at the beginning, there was no clear plan what to do. But most startups can make such a plan. They can say, okay, we need to have this and that time. And don't fool yourself, it's going to take two, three times longer than you expect. Looking for investors, gotta take a lot of time. Just getting the first prototype out, gonna take a lot of time. And this is really what most people underestimate, how much sweat, how much blood you're putting into your startup until there is something happening. Because some people have this illusion, kind of like, yeah, we start a startup now, and in three months we are ready to market. Uh, we are collecting our two, three millions in funding, and then everything is kind of like a great world. And I mean, if everybody would, yeah, that easily start a startup, that would be nice. But always calculate like three, four, five times longer. And make sure that you have the finances ready. 
because that is always happening to a lot of startups, kind of like, yeah, we want to have external money, we want to have the, the investor's money, then we can get going. Until then, we have exactly two months. Uh, if the investor's money is not coming, we are all gone. And that's happened to also a lot of startups um, I've seen, which were kind of like, yeah, let's start off. And sometimes it was like six or 12 months. They were in the process and they're like, no, it's not working out. We don't have an investor now. Um, and I'm like, yeah, what do we have? Do we have a prototype? No, we didn't invest for a prototype. Then do you have a different business model? Can you create somehow some income stream to at least build an MVP? Um, and I did that also terribly wrong with Modern Digital, for example, because also we burned so much money in the time until we figured out that we needed to change. But that is a special case, to be honest, because it was intended to be something different. But um, I can also see it from some startups who are literally kind of like in the process of we only spend now money, time, whatever to look for investors uh, and not focusing on actually delivering some stuff. Um, so that is one part, and I hope I didn't miss anything otherwise. I mean, the team, whatever, yeah, that, that is pretty much my learnings. <laughs> Expensive learnings, let's put it this way. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it, the ex <laughs> expensive learnings. But I guess, like, we all need to pay some things in life to get ahead. That's the part of, of the deal. Yeah. Well, thank you for all that input. Um, I would say to anybody, listening, watching this, that we can check you out, like Benjamin Tallinn, do the amazing work you do as a speaker, as a founder, mentor, advisor, if we need anything when it comes to building a startup or on building anything digital, I guess we now know to whom to talk to. Yeah, sure. I'm always happy. I also got so much help in my past time. That's why I'm happy to also give some advice back. As that expensive learnings, but sometimes, I mean, of course, you need to do as you rightly said, you made you need to make these things also through. You need to fail, you need to learn, it needs to hurt. Sometimes when somebody is telling you, no, this plate is hot, uh, it's kind of like you can burn yourself. Yeah, you're still touching this fucking plate. So sometimes you need the hard way, and that is also I would suggest people more noting down important elements and just trying to reflect. They're going to make the, the problems on their own. They're going to have these faults on their own. They have to experience that. But also just the main thing I really want to focus on here is to tell everybody it takes longer and just keep your head up. It's literally a hard way to go through a startup life cycles because there are the highs, but there are also a lot of lows. And um, if you give up too early, you're sometimes just before an important meeting. For example, I met one startup. I, I finished so now. Sorry. Um, I met one startup. They were two and a half years in the process of finding first this special developer they needed and finding investors. And they were giving up almost a week before, but then he said kind of like, no, let's try one more candidate. They found this candidate. This candidate was known by the investor. They talked the day after. Um, so within one week, they found the developer. And the day after, they found the investment. So sometimes even two and a half years can result in some good things. But you need to wrap your head around that this can happen, and this will happen, that it takes long, that it's very stony road, that you need to invest a lot of time. 
um, to just have the right connection, the right people talking to you, the right investors. Because if you made sure that there is an added value to somebody, it's sometimes just a matter of time till you meet the right person. Um, but really make sure that you meet the market, that you really have a demand and that you're really setting apart from whatever there is. I think there were some great finishing words. Uh, yeah, thank you, Benjamin, for your time. And yeah. Thank you too. We hope you liked this episode of the DoDash Investability Podcast. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our channel. Also, go to dodash.com to join our global startup community and get the support you need to become an investable business and get investors. See you there.